myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello, and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is Colleen Mitchell. She is the co-host of the This Is Type 1 podcast, and she's a life coach, and you can follow her journey at inspiredforward.com, where she helps other people make the most of their lives. And she's got a very inspiring story. She's been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and she talks about how she that's inspired her to become a life coach to show others that this is not something that limits you. This is just something you deal with. And so it's an amazing story. Uh, we have a great conversation, a lot of laughs uh, about diabetes and living with diabetes, being a life coach. And then we get into her fear, which is having children, because with type 1 diabetes, that's something you can pass on to your offspring. So we get into that. She really catches me off guard in this interview because I was not aware that she had made the decision that she did. And so you'll see in the interview as she, as she mentions it how off guard I'm caught. It's still a fun show. So let's get into my interview with Colleen Mitchell. All right. My guest this week is Life Coach host of the Type 1 podcast, as well as author of the ebook Feeding the Good Wolf, Colleen Mitchell. Colleen, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. So what inspired you to become a life coach? Well, I have been coached by life coaches for uh, about a year in a program called Self-Coaching Scholars. And before that, I spent a year and a half binging her podcast. And it, it changed my life. And because I've seen how it has changed my life, I've been able to help other people apply those changes to their lives and help them change their lives too. And I think it's really good for people to see the power of coaching, especially if they want to like go down a, um, like a, a journey of self-development because it, we can read all the self-help books we want. But unless we start taking action, we won't actually change our lives. And coaching helps people take action. So that's why I started doing it, is to help people change their lives by taking action. That's awesome. I, I, I've always been fascinated by what exactly like a life coach kind of does. And that's a really great description, is that you help take action, that you're like, okay, we've re- you, you've got these, these skills. Yeah. Yeah, what... what like sometimes people will come home from work and they'll go right to the liquor cabinet or go and grab a bag of chips and they don't want to do that, but they have no idea why they are still doing that. And life coaches help those people understand why they're doing it and then change the thoughts so that they change those behaviors. Boy, you just kind of read into my life right there with that description. <laughs> sometimes I grab the chips and the liquor. Those, those, uh-huh. are, those are Fridays, but... Double whammy. Yeah. So you are a type 1 diabetic and you host a podcast with uh, another fellow type 1 diabetic. What is kind of, I guess, the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes? So they're actually two completely different diseases, which is really weird because when most people hear of diabetes, they're really hearing about type 2. 
Type 1 is an autoimmune condition where your pancreas does not produce any insulin. And type 2 is a metabolic condition where your body produces the insulin, but it doesn't absorb it very well. So you'll see a lot of type 2 diabetics on medications like metformin, which are designed to help the body start absorbing insulin. Whereas type 1, we are insulin dependent. So if we don't have our insulin every day, we will literally die. That's the difference. That's a very stark difference. So do you have like a, I guess, a regulator that kind of regulates the insulin like a device or? I do. I wear uh, I wear an insulin pump and that is connected to a continuous glucose monitor. So they talk to each other and based on my blood sugar from the CGM, my pump will change how much insulin I get. That's got to be a and I, I love how your podcast is because I can't I can see how that because your podcast is how do you live life with this? It's not it's not who I am. It's just something I deal with on a daily basis. And and it could I feel like that could be kind of, I guess, in a, a mental way, just kind of limiting feeling like, oh, you know, I've got to wear this now for the rest. of You know, I've got to deal with this. I've got to I've got to learn how to read glucose and. Yeah, a lot of newly diagnosed people, because like half of all new diagnoses now are adults, which is insane. But a lot of people, when they're diagnosed, that's exactly their mentality. They see this as something extra on top of what else they have to do. And now they have to think about diabetes on top of everything else. And that can introduce this level of stress that they aren't used to. And they make it mean that there's something wrong with them. And then, well, why can't I like, why can't I do stuff? And then they start blaming the disease. And that's also where I come in as a life coach is I help people live like their conditions don't control them. That's a, that's an amazing, that's an amazing idea for like life coaching is to kind of help people, you know, almost even specialize in, you know, type one diabetes in helping them kind of, Hey, you can do this. This is, this is not something that's going to stop you. That's yeah, there's like one thing we can't do, and it's go into the military. Okay, well, and and maybe at some point that could change, as like not for physical, but maybe like a clerical or something like that. As as the military evolves, it could you could get into something. That's true. Yeah, into something more, I guess, civilian side. You probably can't do anything active duty. So you also have a husband who's a chef, which I guess works out for for your your dietary needs. He can he can I guess play around with what you need and try to serve it to you in new creative ways. Yeah, uh, he has a food blog and he likes experimenting with different foods. And if uh, he's coming up with a new concoction, I'll I'll taste test. But uh, since I've been working from home, um, I also have a full time job. So since I've been working from home, I kind of make my own food. And um, that's just how my schedule works. But he'll make my food if I want him to or if I ask him to. He's very good at good at that. Does he ever look at you cooking and kind of think about like maybe tweaking something, like go behind you, maybe turn the <laughs> stove up just a little bit more on something? Or no, because he's asleep when I make my food. <laughs> okay, well that helps. So that and that kind of, I would say that's really interesting too, is to like bring you know have a relationship in that and to kind of educate them as well, so that they can if you know, they spot something, they can kind of be kind of an extra pair of hands or, you know, somebody that can, a pair of eyes and can say, hey, you know, something, I'm not seeing something's correct. Yeah. It's got to be kind of, I guess, nervous at first. And then I guess as you learn to work together through it, because 
I couldn't imagine if I was my loved one, you know, like all of a sudden something starts beeping or notifying me that something and or oh my gosh, is she okay? And, <laughs> Well, I've I've had diabetes for 25 over 25 years. And uh like when my husband and I met, it was in college and it was like diabetes was kind of this tangential thing. So if he heard my pump go off, he would throw a, a pack of Smarties or no, it was a, a pack of fruit snacks at me. And if I threw them back, it meant I didn't need them and if I kept them and ate them, then I was like my number's low, I need to have sugar. And so he never really made the beeps mean anything like terrible. Yeah. He was just like responding but to what he thought was best. And we actually did a podcast episode on how he handles my diabetes. And he's he is a very chill, like cool cucumber with with all of it. That 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 definitely helps is you have to have like that steady hand that kind of if you may be like a little uncomfortable or panicky, to have somebody that's like, We've got it. We're we're good. And in, in any yeah. situation, it doesn't even have to be diabetes. It can be any kind of anxiety, public speaking you know, going to a friend's house that maybe you haven't met. They're like on friends with him and you're meeting him for the first time just to have that, I guess, rock would be the best way to describe yeah. it. Yeah. Balance of personalities just to um, keep you calm and, and like coordinated when the other person is freaking out. And so you have a really, really, I guess, interesting fear because it's something that you know, as your relationship evolves and grows, you may bring, you know, more, 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 more people to the party as you may have, you know, in the future have children. Ah, nope, that's actually not happening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not happening. No, this, this was a decision actually made from that, that fear mm -hmm. and realizing that I didn't actually have to have children. So when I was growing up, it was the standard. When you grow up, you're going to get married. You're going to get have kids you're going to have a job like the white picket fence. And when I realized that I am not required to have children, all of that weight just like lifted off my off of my shoulders. I'm free. You're like Dobby from Harry Potter. He's like, Dobby is free. <laughs> That's basically it. <laughs> Master says I don't have to have kids. Dobby's free. Yeah, really. And. Part of the fear of having children was that I would pass on my, my diabetes because um, it's you need to have a genetic piece to be diagnosed with it. There's there's genetics and then there's um, like having a leaky gut. So when you're eating things that cause a leaky gut and everybody has it to some extent. But if you have foods that cause it more, plus if you have the genetic piece, you are far more likely to get it. It's not preventable. And I found out after my dad passed away that my dad's side of the family has a history of autoimmune. I was the first one to get type one diabetes. So nobody else in my family has type one diabetes, but almost every other person on my dad's side has some sort of autoimmune condition, whether it be lupus, whether it be uh, like a reproductive autoimmune, it doesn't really matter what it was, but just knowing that it, it made me feel so much better and it like resolidified my decision not to have children because I don't want to pass that possibility on to them. Maybe it's not type one, but maybe it's something else that's worse. So I just feel so much better now knowing that passing that on is not even a possibility. And I could I couldn't imagine living with that burden because as a as a as a mother, you you feel like you're you're, you're wholly responsible for your everything your child is that you you've made this. And so I totally yeah. get that. Like that's that would keep me up at night, you know, too. Like what if 
what if they get this defect from me or I have this wrong with me? What if, what if they have it? How, you know, how am I going to explain to them or how am I going to, how am I going to let them go? Like imagine letting them go to school and just knowing that maybe there, that something, if they had type one, that something may go wrong with their pump and I'm not there to, to, to act. Yeah. Like that, that's a, a real fear I see with parents of type one diabetics. I volunteer at a day camp for juvenile type one diabetics. And that's something that all of the parents are scared of. They don't like it. Sometimes it takes a while for the parents to be comfortable leaving their kids at camp by themselves. That's why we have a lot of adult parent volunteers. And we try to keep the parents out of the same groups as their kid just to get that space. And so the kid can have a little bit of independence. But having that parent on site is more of a, a balm for the parent than it is for the kid because they're the ones who are really worried about what's going to happen. Absolutely. I couldn't think of just like, oh, okay. Because you, you, some points you just can't get to them. Like I know, you know, parents have made decisions as far as jobs, as far as like how far away they can be from their kids, like hours. And it's just so many different things. And it's just, you know, it's just that one fear of getting just the, to the furthest point away from them is that when you'll get the phone call that there's an emergency and they need you and now you can't get there in any kind of time and it just makes you feel just it's just a defeating feeling as a as an adult even with it when it's not your kid like it's such a defeating feeling when you when you're trying to help somebody and you can't get to them in their time of need and you feel guilty because you're that person for them and you can't be there yeah i think part of um that is countered by the technology we have today. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the continuous glucose monitors have follow features, which means that parents can see their kids' blood sugars on their phones. And I have this feature set up on my phone so that my husband can see what my blood sugars are. And it's really helpful for parents when their kids are at school to see what their blood sugars are doing. And if they see it going in a direction they don't like, they can call the school or they can call the kid and be like, are you okay? What's going on? Do you need me? And at that point, then they can make the decision whether or not they need to go in. Yeah. That's, that's amazing technology too. Cause I couldn't imagine like when even, you know, you're younger than me, but I couldn't imagine even 10 years ago or 15 years ago, what the technology was for those. I know like so, those things had to be physically worn. Yeah, I've I've been on pumps for it'll be 20 years next year. But the technology for the CGMs and these follow apps are really kind of new in the last five to 10 years. And when I was in elementary school, my mom volunteered in the school office so she could be on site. And there was a situation where my blood sugar went down to 26 MGDL. A normal blood sugar is like between 83 and 100. And your body is at a biological low blood sugar, which is really, really bad if you're below 55. And I was 26 and I was still conscious. And I walked to the office with our principal to get like candy or whatever for my mom. And when I tell people this story who have diabetes, they're just shocked that I was conscious at, at how low I was. But just the fact that my mom was there was really nice. Yeah. And I'm sure that was a, a heart skipping a beat moment for her as... She, oh yeah, <laughs> she's is she's trying to trying to keep it together because that's another thing too as a parent is even though you're terrified of that you can't show it you can't show that your kid that you're terrified right now or that some 
if something were to happen to their pump or something that you're, you know, having to, like you're saying, you're at 26. How do you, you know, how do you tell a 10, you know, someone under 10, hey, you know, it's going to be okay when they think they're, you know, maybe they just feel a little tired or dizzy. But you're like seeing the numbers and like, like trying to stuff it, like, you know, trying to feed them the orange (laughs) hole, like just. (laughs) Like chug the orange juice. We're going to be okay. Yeah. That would be, you know, the hard part for me is just to kind of keep it in check because I have a bad habit of not keeping my emotions. Like, I can be cool sometimes, but it, I would think in that situation, like as a kid, you could feel it. Like, it's that underlying, like, your hands trembling as you hand it to them. Like, you're you're smiling, but you're, just say, you're shaking everything. And I, I just couldn't imagine that stress or any parent, like for any kind of, I guess, ailment or... I don't like to call them disabilities, but just, you know, situations you're, you're, you live with. And the other perspective is actually showing that fear can uh, help show that kid that being this low is a problem, that yeah. you should not ever be getting this low. And so if the parent is really scared, like that might be a good uh, cue or, or, mm-hmm. or teaching lesson for the kid to, I shouldn't let my blood sugar get this low because of this, because it's bad. And that's and that's such a great thing. Like I say, you're volunteer. Like they ha- y'all have these camps for that to kind of help educate not just the parents but also the kids to say, okay, this is what this is what bad feels like. We need to you need to let people know you can't. Kids will self medicate themselves sometimes. Like I, one of my nephews got staph infection because he tried to treat a wound by himself. You know, just you know, put a band aid on it and wouldn't tell anybody and. It just, as a parent, you're mortified. You think, how did I miss this? But, you know, when you ask them about it, kids are like, it's fine. You're just like, stop it. You know, it's not fine. Tell me. Don't, don't leave me in the dark. And as again, you have to take them to the hospital for that. And then as a parent, you feel mortified because now the doctor's like, you know, asking you how you didn't know about it. And it's just kids can do that. Kids can just just put their head down sometimes and you have to let them know that it's okay to tell people if something's wrong. It's better to tell us early so that we can figure it out before. Cause I've seen so many kids when they, you know, like they're hurt or in the hospital, like first thing to say is I'm sorry. You know, it's like, no, it's not your fault. You know, don't, it tugs at your heartstrings because you, it's just so hard to, I guess, have that balancing act of give and take of giving them freedom but also, you know, taking time to tell us, okay, we're not going to take that away from you. Just let us know if you're hurt or if you feel dizzy or let me know so I can check the numbers. So I love that real time that they have now real time glucose and things of that nature. And that, again, you're also letting kids go by feel. Sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes you, your numbers may be okay, but maybe just ever, something else is throwing everything a little out of whack. Yeah. Um, how we feel is not always an indicator of what our blood sugar is because I can feel like my blood sugar is high and it's actually low. And if I make a correction decision based on that feeling, I, I would be in really bad shape because I'd be giving insulin when I'm already low. Yeah. So it's always a good idea to double check what your numbers are. So as a life coach in dealing with that, it's got to be a great motivating factor to show people like this is what I've overcome. And it's got to be some it's almost like a almost a 
a resume builder as you you know look at this like look I've I managed to write a novel I'm life coach I do you know volunteer work you can you can lead a full life like it it's, yeah it's so amazing that you have all these I guess you know outlets. Yeah, I want to be an example of what is possible. I've lost 65 pounds as a type 1 diabetic. I've normalized my blood sugars from over a 7% A1C, which is not great, to less than, less than 6%, less into the 5% range, which is considered non-diabetic. And if I can do this with all of the stuff going on in my life, with having had it for over 25 years, then people who are newly diagnosed can also do it. It's it doesn't have to be a problem because a lot of people will look at this as a problem to deal with instead of a gift that you've been given to learn more about yourself and become a better human. Yeah, because it's a it's a new level of self-awareness. Oh, yeah, because I couldn't I, I have no idea what my what my blood sugar feels like, like what high or low. And you would have you have to kind of learn that skill. And that that I would that's that that's almost like almost intuitive to your body. Yeah. And if if you're actually interested in learning what your blood sugars are, you can get the Freestyle Libre uh, flash glucose sensor, which is basically it's kind of like a CGM. You just hold your phone up to it and it reads your blood sugar and you can get one of those at like Walgreens just to try it out and see what your blood sugars are and see how your blood sugars respond to the food that you're eating to the exercise that you're doing, to the stress you're under, having that metric will show you so much about your life. And then it'll give you places where you can use that awareness to change what's going on. Because you might find out that your blood sugar spikes really high after you have a bowl of pasta and you feel really bad in that moment, but you didn't know why before because you didn't have that metric. It's amazing to real because you know, it's not just for people with diabetes. It's literally for everyone. And just because you're not diagnosed as diabetic doesn't mean you can have, like you said, those peaks and valleys of high blood sugar, low blood sugar. I tend to, I know when I'm hungover, I definitely have low blood sugar at that point. <laughs> I I felt that dehydration. Usually what I'll do is I'll make some herbal tea with and put sugar in it. And it tastes like a peppermint because I use like mint medley. And that's kind of how I, I recuperate at a quick level. It may not be the most healthy. As you, as you silently sit there, and... maybe not. But I mean, as as a type one diabetic, when my blood sugar is low, I have a roll of Smarties. Mm -hmm. Like I buy Smarties in bulk because that's my my low snack of choice. But I also know that if I have too many of them, my mouth will feel disgusting, especially overnight. Like if I have if I have to have too many of them overnight, then I wake up feeling like my mouth is like dry and gross. So I also know that about myself and that makes it easier to try to avoid it when I can. I'm surprised I still make Smarties. Like I, that's really <laughs> like, I, I can't, I, it's like, I, all I can think about Smarties is Halloween. It's like, it's the, it, on a scale of one to 10, it was like the five candy to get. Like it was like, it wasn't the greatest, like sweet tarts were way better. Like I, I'm pro sweet tart. So like, I love the Tums pack of three sweet tarts you would get, but it's like Smarties like, Okay. They, these these people weren't hip to the candy game, but they at least gave an effort. Like they didn't just give you candy corn <laughs> or an apple, which was like the insulting Halloween gift. It's like, this, <laughs> like you're making a judgment call. Like 
I need the 15 pound, I need that 15 pound bag of candy. Like, and that, I just remember Smarty was like, oh, these are, you know, you would, you, you'd say, you'd start a roll. You'd have to finish the whole roll. You can't just leave like, ha- you can't like take one or two. I don't know. I, I use, um, I'll use half a roll sometimes if my blood sugar just needs a little bit of a bump. It'll do half a roll and roll up the rest and leave it for later. Like they kind of all taste the same, but then they kind of don't. Like the white one, I think, is pineapple. And- oh yeah, I never eat them individually. I just eat them all like at once, and then I just get this explosion in my mouth. And like the fact that they're kind of chalky means that I don't want to eat that many. So it's kind of a built-in slowdown <laughs> or stop. I like the texture element. Like, what's something I like, but I can't, I can't binge. Right. That's exactly what it is. See, my dad grew up like Necco wafers and those, and it's like, how can you eat those? Like those. Like, I used to, I used to have those too. Those were my dad's favorite candy. And I'm, I've just never understood them. Like they all taste the same. Like, I don't know why they're different colors. They're all, they all taste like antacid <laughs> to me. They all taste like, they, <laughs> it's just multicolored Tums. That's all they are. Oh. I know it's kind of, I know it's sad. It's like. But that's where our candy, that's where candy has evolved. Like, that was candy to, to my dad. Like, just chalky mint, like, circles. <laughs> he also likes Whoppers, which is his other favorite candy. My dad has... I used, yeah, I used to have those, but I couldn't get past the crunch of the malt. And it always made my teeth feel weird. My dad has, my dad has some very eccentric candy taste. I'm very much a Reese's peanut butter cup. That's a decent candy. Yeah. Big cup is is my jam. It, it's, the, it's the Reese's peanut butter cup that eats like a meal. Like you just, I've never had a Reese's peanut butter cup where I've been like, I need to take a moment and just unwind now after this, after this feast. Cause have you seen the big cups? No. So I don't know if maybe it's the way Texas, maybe, maybe we're just more prone to, to poor decisions. But they have a Reese's Big Cup, and it's like two Reese's Peanut Butter Cups stacked on top of each other. So it's like about that big. So it's got some heft to it. Oh, man. You only get one. Like, if the king size is two. And so you, after two of those, you're, it's like you just had a light lunch. That's how much they, they impact your appetite. Like, I can feel my blood sugar going up just thinking about that. <laughs> For Valentine's Day, they had pound Reese's peanut butter cups, like one pound Reese's peanut butter cup. <laughs> oh. For the romantic. Real romantic. It's a sugar rush. Yeah. So can you, you have to monitor your candy intake for sure. Like you can't just binge. You can use it as a, I guess, a, you know, boost or, you know, to kind of. Yeah, I, my, so, so when I went low carb, I learned that I am very sugar sensitive. And because I've been low carb for like six, five, five years now, I have a, anything sweet is too sweet. So that's why I, my only candy is the Smarties and those are only for low blood sugars or to keep myself from dropping low if I'm going to go on a walk or something like that. So I don't have any other candy, like candy's just not part of my life. <laughs> and that's fine. I mean, people, there are people that just, that, that are not, I'm not a big candy guy every once in a while. Like I, I will have that craving for candy, you know, the day after Halloween, I'll go through the store and be like, Oh, this pound bag of Halloween candies, you know, a dollar. And I'll pick one of those up and I'm still munching on it today. 
but I, it's just, it's interesting how you can change your habits. Like you, you've gone low carb, which means probably little to no pasta. No pasta. Nope. No pasta, no bread, nothing like that. So it's just, it's basically protein, veggies. Yeah. A lot of meat, a lot of cheese, a lot of eggs, middling on the vegetables. I need to get better about that. Uh, a lot of fat, fat sources. So um, I'm really heavy on olive oil. I'm really heavy on salt. Heavy on uh, heavy cream. That's my favorite for coffee now. I used to, I used to put artificially sweetened sweeteners in there, so like no sugar, vanilla, and stuff like that. But I found over time that I'm really sensitive to the artificial sweeteners too, mm-hmm. which is so much fun. And so now I'm I'm like off the artificial sweeteners. It's kind of uh, bland for people who are used to having a sweet tooth. Yeah, I am. I try to stay away from artificial as well, mostly because I I was a drinker before. I did comedy and one of the things I would drink was a rum and diet Coke. And because it was NutraSweet, your body doesn't know how to process that sugar. So it would keep sending the unprocessed sugar along with the alcohol through your system over and over. So you wouldn't, it wouldn't process out. So you would just stay in an inebriated state longer. Oh. And so as I got older and realized like, that's probably not healthy that you're, if your body can't doesn't know what to do with it, so it just keeps it. It sends it through again and says maybe it's something I can use next time. And so even when I drink soda on the rare occasions, I try to only get pure cane soda and stuff like that. Like, let me have the devil I know versus the devil I don't, because I'm always worried. Because yeah. as a kid, you drank tab and tab, then saccharin became. They found long-term effects that maybe, you know, initially they didn't find and now all of a sudden these longer, you know, as it's been out longer. And so I've always just kind of stayed with plain old sugar. Yeah. And if you're, if you're really in tune with your body, so I did an an elimination diet where uh, I was able to kind of reset my taste buds and found that I'm really sensitive to some other things. But if you can do that, then you'll get really aware of how the artificial sweeteners affect you. I found that I, I am no longer able to tolerate um, erythritol, which is one of the supposedly best artificial sweeteners out there. And I know within like a couple bites if I've had it because I'm instantly nauseous. And so if you're really in tune with your body like that, you can figure out which ones are good for you and which ones are bad. And I, I feel, again, that comes from a skill and, you know, just of knowing your body You like you have to on a reactionary level is like okay like dietary wise you have to kind of be on kind of a guard because if something could either spike or i guess take away sugar you know since you're not having children i mean that's got to be a huge burden i'm that's probably the biggest way to alleviate that fear whatsoever oh yeah 100 percent. i mean if you if you look at the overall cost of having kids it's not just financial it's like mental emotional and uh like it costs your career if you're in if you are on a career path like that i've made the the decision that not having kids is the best for me like other people can have their opinions and actually when when i told my parents they were like yeah we agree you probably shouldn't have kids i'm like thank you i'm glad you agree <laughs> like wait a second now I got to rebel and now I'm going to show you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not in my personality and I wouldn't ever like have a kid just to yeah. like prove something. 
you you definitely get some proof <laughs> with that with an offspring like you would have a little you yeah and i i have a niece and she actually looks just like me which is hilarious for you know me making fun of my sister but having a niece is enough having kids at, at diabetes camp is enough i don't need to have my own kid to get a dose of kids every now and then yeah it, it, you you come home you you can you can those are the kids you you can enjoy and then give back give back (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's and that's why i was so in my my when i talked to another guy he's talking about his legacy he was like his fear was you know i'm becoming the centerpiece of my family because when i was a kid my grandmother and grandfather were kind of the center of the family and he wants to pass that on to his kids you know to kind of be that he wants to he wants that he's afraid of what they'll think of him after he's passed and that was something i was like well you kind of you know they take after you and like you know that's why i think grandparents that's why grandparents seem like they're so great with grandkids is because they've made all the mistakes with the regular kids it's like here's what we've learned here here's the upgraded version of how we how we can do this and it's like oh you were awesome why weren't you like this with me well you were our first try (laughs) you're you're the oldest it just get we just get better as we go yep I, my grandma used to have a um, one of those like knickknack tile things or whatever. It said, "If I'd known being a grandma was so fun, I would have done that first. Yeah, and I loved my grandparents. They spoiled me a lot. My grandma, my grandma, and my dad's side used to make homemade root beer, which I'm still trying to learn how to do, which doesn't taste like the soda part at all. It was a real downer when I first tried it because as a kid, you're thinking, "Oh, she's gonna make like A and W fizzy." delicious root beer and she made like this root beer kool-aid that was like that tasted watered down and the first taste was oh this is this is not what i expected disappointment (laughs) and she was like this is the best thing in the world and you know lo and behold you start craving those things like you when you find something that maybe other people don't like like you know it's like becomes your comfort food and it may not be everybody's, but you kind of, you adapt to it and then you kind of miss it. It kind of becomes nostalgia when you do have it. You have it in those small doses and it feels so good. Do you have any like nostalgia food that you go back to besides Smarties? That <laughs> uh, I, I honestly don't think I have any nostalgia foods that I go back to now. But if I was going to have a nostalgia food, it would be the... Costco um, macadamia nut clusters with like milk chocolate because my grandma always bought those. She she loved them. We both loved them. And I, I could not leave her house without her shoving like a bag full in my hands before we left. So that would be my nostalgia food. But I, I choose not to have it anymore because it would mess up my blood sugar so bad. It's amazing. She just stuff like just take them with you because she I feel like she must have felt guilty that she got so many. Oh, I don't know if she felt guilty. She just wanted us to leave with a, like a bag full of food. Like she would give us uh, like those individually packaged Rice Krispie treats. She would give us pretzels. She would give us the macadamia nut clusters. We we couldn't leave without snacks. <laughs> it's like Red Riding Hood, just with a basket full of goodies. Pretty much. <laughs> well, this has been an awesome conversation, Colleen. I appreciate you doing this. Where can people find you on social media if they wanted to look up the type 1 diabetes and all that information? So I have a, um, so a few Facebook page, a couple Facebook pages. I have 
Facebook page called This Is Type 1 with the numeral one and also Inspired Forward. And you can find, I think you can find all of these links on my website, which is inspiredforward.com. Awesome. Well, I look forward to talking to you again. Maybe we'll have another fear here down the road you want to share with me. Probably. Thanks again. Thank you. So that was Colleen. Man, we had a lot of jokes about candy and just life in general. It's a very inspiring story. I enjoy that she's made a decision on not having kids. Even though that caught me off guard, I wasn't aware that she had totally ruled that out before I started this interview. So I thought, you know, well, you know, if you do have kids, or I, I was under the impression that maybe she did want to have children and just was, you know, apprehensive considering she's type 1 diabetic. But it tells you how much of a peace of mind you can put fears like that when you can make decisions like that and and be good with that decision, not just okay, but good. Like, yeah, this I don't want to have children. Okay. You know, no one's making you have children. There's no... There's no, you know, I guess, what would be the word I'm looking for, real reason to have children. And so without, you know, that motivation or desire and to have a condition that, again, you could pass on to your next of kin, yeah, it's it makes all the sense in the world. And you can live your life and not have to feel that pressure or, you know, feel like you have to, you know, continue the the line. I am the last of my, you know, line in the family. And I haven't had kids and I'm 44. So if I do have kids, I will be, you know, old by the time they get to their early 20s. And so it, it just becomes maybe, you know, maybe it's not meant to be. And that's totally fine. And it's okay to feel that way. So this week, I am in Oklahoma City. I am sitting in the comedy condo at this point. The other comic on the bill has went out for food. So I am here alone. It's been a great week of shows so far here at the Oklahoma City Looney Bend Comedy Club. Um, I'm here with BT, the headliner. And we've... We've had a great weekend so far. It's been fun. It's been a fun two shows. Made a couple of money on merchandise. So life's looking good. It's a little rainy here in Oklahoma City. Otherwise, I'd be out kind of checking out the city and doing the touristy thing. Did some shopping. Done some cooking. Some amazing pasta dishes. I'm about to go to this gyro place that's supposedly really good and so we're gonna try that while i'm here thank you to all of you who have listened and left reviews i appreciate all the five star reviews it helps me helps this podcast you know find more view listeners if that's what they're looking for is something just to talk about fears not to be a scary podcast per se also leave a review if you do like what you hear more the more the merrier um, thanks again for listening. 
And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh2o. Get it? H2O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook. Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olson for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns. That's G-U-N-B-U-N-S. As well as his website, GunnarOlson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at SomeFearFans, S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S, at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback if on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. It makes the show bigger, and it's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me, on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there. And you can check me out at RyanPerio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a, in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 